Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And I'm going to have a seat as well. I know this is uh, pretty different. I took the, the pulpit down this week. Um, it'll be back next week, but I just, uh, I wanted it to feel a little different today because this is our, our special uh, Thanksgiving service we do every year. Um, and it's always a special time. I'm going to share something um, for a few minutes, but then uh, we're going to have a time to just hear from each other and share what God is, has, has done and is doing in our lives this year. And so on your way in, you should have got one of those um, Thanksgiving cards that were handed out. If you didn't, I'm going to ask uh, maybe Reuben and Debbie. If, if, if you didn't get one, go ahead and raise your hand and they can, they can hand one to you. Okay, so the worship team. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And uh, even as I'm speaking, I'd love to encourage you to just begin praying and, uh, and thinking about what you want to write down. What are you thankful for? And, or maybe, what has God taught you this year? Um, what has God done in your life this year? Write something down along those lines. The idea of this card is not to just simply write down the obvious things, right? Because if I said, hey, what are you thankful for? If you asked me, what do you think? I'd be like, okay, my wife, my dog, my house, my church, my job, like just going off, right? But the idea is, is to go a little deeper today into gratitude. And that's what I want to do in Romans. Surprise. But it's not Romans 8. We're going to go to Romans 1. So if you want to grab a Bible, go ahead and go to Romans 1. And we're going to be there. And, uh, and after this, we're going to have a time where you can share what you wrote down and maybe expound on it a little bit. And this, this again, is not the time to come preach a sermon. Um, it's not the time to uh, process through your entire year. It's a time. That's why the card is kind of a helpful guide for you. Come up, and, and it's not to say, hey, get up here real quick and then get down. No, but, but we want everyone to have time to share, so try to keep it under three minutes. Um, but we do want you to feel free to share. And so afterward, we're going to line up and, 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 and share. And then after that, we're going to take communion together. It's been a while. And I just want to give a shout-out to Katso in the back because she's been telling me and Jeremy, she's like, when are we going to do communion? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, when are we going to do communion? Um, such a rich time that we've kind of neglected in, the, in the, just the busyness of everything we're working through. And, and so I, I praise the Lord for God's spirit in you, Kazo, and just uh, using you to remind us. Um, and so I can't wait to just look at Mark later on and um, work through kind of the, the Passover and see some really cool things as we just meditate on what this is and why we do it. But first, Romans 1. Romans 1. I'm going to start in verse 18. If you're there, say amen. Okay, we're there. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what has been made, through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Verse 21, for no, though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or 
show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Now, I realize the focus of this passage is not at all gratitude. I realize that. I'm not going to try to twist this to make it about gratitude. It's, it's not. But gratitude does show up here. And it's almost unexpected. It's kind of surprising. It's like listing these sins, and it's like, oh, they didn't show gratitude. It's like something that's mentioned. Oh, and they weren't thankful. It just seems odd to us. It's like, if, if, because Paul's going to go on in Romans 1, if you remember a year ago when we started Romans, the, our series, that Paul goes on to list sin after sin after sin of, of, of those who at one time was all of us. This, this is about us, sinners who reject God, and we, all of us, were that at some point. All of us were that at some point. It may seem a bit random and or unnecessary, but if we notice gratitude in this passage, if we zero in on it, we see a weightiness and an importance attributed to gratitude that I don't think is normal for most of us. And so I kind of want to focus on that today, and may God change the way we see this by his mercy and by his power. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we give you thanks. For you are good. And your mercy endures forever. And we're here because of your goodness and mercy. Jesus took the wrath of the Father so we could have the mercy and goodness and kindness. Oh, Lord, set us free today. Set me free up here. Not free to just feel better and feel good about ourselves, but free to, to, to lift our eyes above the worries and concerns and fears and pride in our minds and our hearts to lift our eyes to see Jesus. It's your mercy that allows that. And we've already, Lord, this morning, as we've sang of your goodness, of your faithfulness, and Lord, what a heart of worship looks like. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for Twyla and just using her and, and, and just recommending that we sing that song today. How rich, how beautiful, Lord. Let those lyrics um, re-enter our mind today as we go through the rest of this service. I pray for my brothers and sisters in here, Lord. We're entering a holiday season and we're gonna engage with family. And, and Lord, family can be the most complicated relation it can hold the most complicated relationships and it's easy to come here and be spiritual with each other and you know feel like we're good and then we go with family and sometimes it feels like you know what happened to me or are they a bad influencer and we judge them and just all sorts of different things can happen lord and so i'm praying that your spirit would help us this holiday season engage our family with love and humility that that we're not better we're not worse <laughs> we don't have to judge our families. Show us how to love our families, Lord. Use them in our lives as we enter into this week. Lord, be with my brothers and sisters in here and give them something to write down on the card that is just going to speak not just to them, but it's going to speak to everyone else in here. I pray you bless the rest of the service. Bless this short word I'm about to give, Lord. Help me keep it short. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to briefly unpack this passage in Romans with gratitude, but first let's look at another Another passage is kind of similar in 1 Timothy. This is Paul again, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says this in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It'll be on the screen. But know this, he says to Timothy, hard times will come 
in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. And the list continues, actually. And within that list, again, we see ingratitude. Do you know ingratitude is a sin? That it's sinful to not be grateful? Now, hold up. My message today is not one of condemnation, okay? I'm not reading these verses to say, you better be thankful or else. That's, that's not the tone. That's not my heart. That's not the point here. I want us to stop and meditate on the gift of gratitude and thanksgiving and why God gave it to us. In our day, thanks is such a normal, assumed, and polite gesture. Most times we don't really think about it. It's simple friendliness. It keeps interactions light and safe. We throw thanks around without realizing its depth of meaning. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's good that we have a culture that values that, where that's such a normal thing. But what I want to do today is stop and I want to look at its depth of meaning. I want to zero in on it a little bit today. So Romans 1, Paul is describing the unbelieving world, which at one time was all of us. And Paul's, when Paul says they, you know, they did not honor God, them, he's talking about everyone who rejects God. Paul explains that God has made himself sufficiently obvious and available through his creation. God has made himself known enough simply through the way he created reality so that no person can claim innocence or ignorance as a justification for their sins. I just didn't know. How was I supposed to know God? I can't see him. Romans 1 declares, hey, through everything God has made, we should be able to recognize his divine nature. No excuse. Verse 21 is an intense verse. It says, for though they, everyone who rejects God, though they knew God. Wow. He is there. He is undeniable. They did not honor him as God. There's enough evidence is the cry of this passage. That being the case, sinful humanity makes a choice. We make a choice. And that is the choice to not glorify God for who he is by worshiping him and obeying him. And what accompanies worshiping God for who he is? Showing gratitude. That's part of what it means to worship God for who he is. When you rightly understand who God is, you show gratitude, not out of obligation or duty, but because it's who he is. It is the required response of our desire. Something wells up in us that when we behold God and we believe, we show gratitude. Not of compulsion, not of obligation. Maybe sometimes it feels like that because we're not seeing God for who he is, but we know in this season of life, man, I have learned that I know so many things that I struggle to believe. That just blew my mind. I was like, what? I thought I struggled to know things, but I'm trying to believe. No, I know things. All my life, God has raised me. I know things, but sometimes that faith has fallen behind and I have to believe. So anyway, that's not in my notes. Moving on. But sinful humanity says, no, I'm not going to glorify God or give thanks. And the passage continues as we watch humanity spiral into darkness. Paul goes on and three times he says, hey, God gives them over to a depraved mind, to degrading passions. 
to other things. And it's, it's dark. Romans 1 is dark. Sure, there are many who may acknowledge God in some way and express some gesture of gratitude with their mouths, but remember Scripture. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We're not here to give God lip service and play holiness today. So we arrive at a pivotal question. What is gratitude? Look what Google says. Is it simply saying thanks? Is it feeling something? Is it doing something? Even if you want to do this on your phones right now, if you go to Google and you just type in definition of gratitude or definition of thankfulness, gratitude is this, the quality of being thankful. It does expound a little bit. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Great. Yeah. The definition of thankfulness, pleased and relieved, expressing gratitude and relief. So they kind of cycle into each other, don't they? We kind of assume, we know, we get it, we get what gratitude means. But the unfortunate thing is that, well, it's not unfortunate. Thanksgiving and gratitude is spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. And the unfortunate thing is that Google can't give us spiritual definitions. It can give us the world's take on something spiritual. But we need to go deeper into this. I would agree with these definitions, but I, they're insufficient. They're not enough. They don't fully caps, ca- capture and grasp what gratitude is. Gratitude, get this, gratitude is not a quality of God. Gratitude is not a quality of God. Stay with me. If that sounds blasphemous, just stay with me. Unless perhaps God is grateful to himself, but that might take us on a journey that would be a long journey today and we're not going to go on that. Trying to unpack that. Gratitude is a quality God has created for creation. Just as humility is a quality God has created for creation. I was talking to to Jeremy's brother Wes a couple weeks ago and he pointed this out to me. He said, God is not humble. And it just stuck out to me. And I realized, you know, God's not thankful either. God's not thankful either. God is not humble in himself, for he is God. He's not like us. He is the object of those things. Creation is humble before God, and creation is thankful to God. He is the object of those things. He is God and there is no other. Thanksgiving is for us to give to God. It's a gift he's given us. God gives thanks to no one. We give thanks because we are not God. And remember we talked about a few weeks ago in Romans that the depth of our sin is that satanic idea that I am God. I want to be God. And thanksgiving and gratitude is a gift God has given us to remind us, no, you're not God. That's why you have the gift of gratitude. Showing gratitude is a demonstration and reminder that we receive from God. He does not receive from us. He is the giver. We are the recipients. We are dependent on God. He is not dependent on us. We are entitled and privileged and owed nothing. We don't have enough time to let that sink in. But next time you get frustrated, remember that, and it might show you what's wrong. 
in that moment. You might, feel, you might be feeling entitled to something. You're angry at someone. They owe me. But remember, from God, we're entitled to nothing. We're entitled to nothing. Any good we receive, any good thing or experience, any good is the grace and kindness of a generous God. That is the posture of gratitude. That is the posture of thanksgiving. I do not deserve all the good that I have. And not just confessing that because it sounds churchy, but knowing it in your heart. So many times I do that. And it's okay sometimes to not feel something, but you receive, you take it by faith. Well, God, I know I'm undeserving. I feel deserving right now, but I'm going to claim this all the same, that I know I don't deserve this. So I'm going to give thanks. But Lord, let it sink into my heart that I really don't deserve this. Because when you realize that, you give glory to God. You feel his mercy. You feel it. You feel the reality of, whoa, God is really good to me. God is really kind to me. Because then you're not living with the assumption that God is supposed to give you stuff every day. God's supposed to provide you clothes and food in a warm house. No. It's all kindness. It's all mercy. So, I must quickly clarify something. Okay? Because we believe and preach that Jesus is God, right? And we are going to read in Mark a little later before communion that Jesus gives thanks. Jesus gives thanks. Does this mean Jesus is not God? Jesus deserves nothing. He's entitled to nothing. Is that what that means? Well, there's a richness to this right here. And there's also a mystery to it. Because Jesus is what's called the hypostatic union. Meaning he is 100% man and 100% God. We gather that from scripture. Theologians over the years, centuries past, have come to the conclusion, when they look at Scripture, there's no other alternative, there's no other conclusion to come to than Jesus has to be 100% God and 100% man. And I'd love to spend time explaining as to why we believe that. But when you look at Scripture, it it makes no sense to say Jesus is 50-50. You just can't say that because that has detrimental consequences for our faith and ramifications. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Our minds can't fully grasp this. But even though Jesus is God, he humbled himself. He chose humility. He he acted in humility. He was here and he made himself low. God made himself low. Even now I'm like, okay, doing theological work in my head. That's why I need to stay with my notes because I'm like, I might say something heretical here because it's it's a mystery. It's 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 uh, it's fragile. He became a man. Philippians tells us Jesus emptied himself. Now, Jesus definitely did not put aside his divinity. Get that. Jesus didn't become man and give up God. He was God. He never stopped being God, even as a baby. But he did put aside his glory, entitlement, and rights as God. Do you realize how insane that is? It's awesome. It's amazing. That's the amazing thing about the incarnation, which is Christmas next month. 
God did that. He said, yeah, I'll become a baby. I'll become the weakest form of a human. And then I'll die. Possibly the worst death a human could die. But first, I'll live this life with them for 33 years. And he did that. Oh, man, I'm getting ahead. When Jesus gives thanks, it's not that he is not somehow deserving. But as a man... Jesus is our example of dependence on the Father. Jesus isn't telling us, he doesn't call us to live differently than he did. Jesus didn't have some access to some power that we don't. That sounds heretical, but you must know that because that is truth. Jesus didn't take advantage of of his, his godness. Jesus didn't take advantage of his godness. He didn't consider equality with God, it says in Philippians, something to be held on to. But he emptied himself. And he said, I will live as a human. He didn't get advantages. He lived just like you and me. How did he live such a crazy life? The same way he calls us to, dependence on the Father. So when Jesus gives thanks, he is truly giving thanks as a man. Independence on the Father and being our example of giving thanks, okay? Now, hopefully that brings not just some clarification, but some edification as well. I want to finish with what Vincent read, a little, just a little, the last little bit of it. And then we're going to get into some testimonies. Thank, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And say this, save us. God of our salvation, gather us and rescue us from the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. Think about that, rejoicing in praising God. Not just praising him, but rejoicing in that praise because he's that good. That's the heart that understands gratitude. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Can we read that last verse together? Verse 36. Together, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. I'm going to pray and then Jeremy's going to come up and kind of lead us through our time of testimony. So I hope you're ready to share. Father, I give thanks. I give thanks for the gift of gratitude, for the reminder that we are not God. And, And that's a good thing. Oh, it's a good thing that we're not God. It's a good thing that you're holy. It's a good thing that you're different. And yet you became one of us. And Jesus is still a man at the right hand of the Father. A man with a glorified body. But he did not give up his humanity. He is still man and God, 100%, 100%. How amazing. He can empathize with our weaknesses. Lord, help us give thanks. Help us testify of your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Well, I'm not Jeremy, I'm I'm Daryl, but I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. And um, I've heard about this service for for, uh, ever since I started here, so I'm excited to be a part of it. If you have something you'd like to share today, why don't you go ahead, you go ahead and move down and sit in one of the seats here. Or on the front there, so we can kind of move up together. Uh, just a couple of quick guidelines. 
We've, we've put together about 20 minutes for this. Now, um, that's up to you guys how long it goes, okay? Uh, just remember, if we go much past noon, all the mega churches are going to beat you to Panera Bread, all right? So just kind of remember that. So it's up to you guys. Um, but we want you to take time to share maybe two or three minutes. And again, it's a time to give thanks. It's not a time to process or to preach another sermon, uh, he says to himself. Um, but just ask you to move in. I'll start now by saying, guys, I am so thankful for you. But you don't know in my ministry that I've been, the last several churches I've been at have all been out of the area. And it's taken a toll on my family. And I told God after I finished the last church in Paso Robles that I wanted to take a break from this for a little bit to stay in Fresno. And shortly after that, I got a contact from this church, and God said, this is, this is my opportunity for you to help this church and for this church to help you to work together. So, and you guys have taught me so much already. So I am truly thankful for Fresno Church and for what you guys have done. So if you've got something you want to share, you can write it down here. We'll stand up here and let you share. And then uh, just again, while Jeremy's coming up and talking, if you want to come up, Jeremy. Uh, but if you guys just take a seat here somewhere and, and just be ready. Keep, keep the line moving. All right, guys, I'm going to break the ice here. So, all right, here comes some more. Um, boy, thankful for many things. But here's, here's the one thing I wanted to give, give to you guys, share with you this morning. Um, I'm thankful for the relentless work of God that never gives up in my life. And that seems a little general, but um, let me, like, maybe dive a little deeper into that. Just, you know, I'm 45 this just recently, and uh, Ben was born into a family that were believers and just have spent all 45 years in church uh, every Sunday, every Wednesday, or whenever whatever special meetings were there, I was there. And so one would think that, that well, I've, you know, I went to Bible college, uh, you know, for a number, for four years, graduated there, was a youth pastor in ministry, and here I am, 45. And some would think, well, okay, you know, maybe perhaps Jeremy has matured. You know, he should be mature by now, <laughs> right? But what, I, what I've recognized specifically in the last few months is that um, we never mature past the work of God. We actually only mature into it. And what I mean by that is that, that the moment, um, that, that, that the, actual, the actual maturing of a believer is when we come to the place where we recognize that, uh, that God is always working in every moment and that we never mature past his work. And um, hopefully that makes a little bit of sense to you, but I think what it is, it's a, it's a posture of dependence. And the older I get, the more I see how dependent I am on God to draw out of me immaturities and disbeliefs and, and to, really, uh, to really plunge me deeper into who he is, my insufficiency and his sufficiency. And so a lot of gratitude this year just for God's maturing work and... He uses people, he uses circumstances, so many things, and uh, very thankful for that work. Good morning. For you that don't know me, my name is Lila. Um, I was a member of the church back in 2000. (laughs) 
back in 2014, 2015, um, I got married. I moved away. Uh, I was praying for a long time for God to open some doors for me. And um, in that process, my husband passed away this year. And God was able to open doors that I thought would never open again. So I'm very thankful that God has returned me to my family, my friends, my church. And he's given me the ability to become a better person and not a bitter person as I've gone through this transition. So I'm thankful for all of you. And I'm thankful that God has been in my life. So. Thank you very much. Well, most of you guys don't know me. My name is Maurice, and uh, I'm thankful for God, and it's new for me. So uh, I came here homeless, and right at the park. Came here from Visalia trying to start over. And uh, me and my wife, and then something told me, like, to go to church. And that didn't happen. Like, our car broke down. We were stuck right there. And uh, Cindy, Vincent, some other people from the church, they went, kind of helped us. And uh, <laughs> it was Christian that told me, like, God's going to place you where he needs you to be you know you're not going to move until he wants you to move and it's a long story it, I did 16 years in prison straight before this so it was all new to me but I knew where I knew where it was coming from where it happened and I'm not perfect now I have my setbacks but I know there's a God and I know where the strength comes from and I'm just thankful for everybody that's helping us and continuing to help and not judge and pointing us to Jesus. That's it's a longer story than that, but first of all, I'm thankful that he chose me. You know, I was raised in a Christian home, but it was very rigid. It was all rules and regulations and this and that and there was a lot of conflict and turmoil. But I am so thankful that God brought me through it, gave me my husband, and we together have found the Lord and drawn closer to him. And of course, I'm thankful for my husband, my children, my grandchildren, and for bringing us to a church family that truly loves and glorifies God. Okay, I'll be quick. Let's try to try to stand a little closer when we come up. Um, the, what I'm about to say is, um, it's 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 vulnerable, but but it's it's in no way to try to garner pity. Honest about um, about myself, and and I, I want to do that to give glory to God, because I was thinking, what um, like Lord, what could I share? Not that I need to share, but I, I, I do want to share because God has worked in my life this year. And 
what I get to, to say is that I haven't given up. Like, that's what I get to praise God for this year because you y'all don't know how many times I wanted to. And, um, like, I, I, haven't, I haven't done the best this year. I'll just say that. I, there's some, my, my language has not been good. And just, you know, with the Lord or just when I'm alone, I've, I've struggled a lot with anger this year. With, um, with bitterness and different things. And I have just seen God's mercy. There's been so many times where I thought, I think I'm done with ministry. I think I'm just done. I'm either burnt out or I'm disqualified. I don't know. And, and I, just, I just praise God that, that I'm not. I'm not. And, and, and Daryl and Jeremy and Red, they're, they're intimately acquainted with um, the specifics of what I'm kind of being broad with here. But man, I just want to thank you guys. You have loved me so well. I, I told someone this week, the amount of people that come up to me and say, we're praying for you. I, I think I'm here and I think I'm alive because of your prayers. Uh, that, that God has used them to sustain me through, through trials and everything. And so I just thank you. And last week when you guys blessed me yet again with all those gifts and cards and, and I know... Daryl and Red and Jeremy are so thankful as well. I just want to say thank you guys. And, and I just want to praise God because he has been faithful to me. He has been good. And he's not let me give up. He's a good coach that knows my limits. When I think I'm done, he says, you're not done. I'm not letting you give up. And I just praise God for that. Thank you. Hello. My name's Mona. And um, I am grateful for courage and growth. Um, you know, growing up, I didn't have much of anything, so I became one that just wanted to hold on to every single thing. And, you know, coming to church has allowed me to focus more on home and our family and what's important. So this weekend, I started going through my, you know, my garage, and I thought to myself, Mona, you've got to get it together. You've got boxes from every single year everywhere. It's time to put everything together and store it together and for your kids. So as I started going through these boxes, you know, I struggle with confirming that I'm doing the right thing every single day. But going through, through these boxes, I found cards from the 80s and 90s from friends and family just confirming, telling me that I've, I've been going down that right path and I've stumbled and I've fallen, but I've gone through and done right in my life because of God. And I'm so grateful for being that pack rat and I'm grateful for God giving me the strength to get in that garage and put all my memories together because he confirmed for me that I am that woman that he made me. And I'm so grateful for being that woman, and I will continue to be that pack rat for my kids so that they can have these precious memories and cards to go through one day that just touched my heart and reminded me why God is so good and everything that we go through, hardships, everything, one day we'll be so grateful because it makes us who we are, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you.
Well, I have so much to be grateful for. And number one is all of you guys. I am so thankful for this family. To be able to serve uh, alongside with each and every one of you. And, uh, you know, my story goes way back 30 plus years ago. And I'm still not mature yet, Hunter. Where are you? I'm, I'm still working on it. <laughs> no, it, uh, God has been so good and uh, through all these years. And uh, he knows our weaknesses when we're weak. And he knows when we need his encouragement, his help, his strength. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his spirit and uh, that dwells in, in many of you. And God uses so many different people to speak into, to encourage, to lift up. He's such a builder. And, you know, my personal life being a, in construction, I relate to building. I relate to strong foundations. I relate to a lot of these principles that come from spiritual development. And uh, I'm just so thankful for, number one, my salvation that I have in Jesus Christ and uh, my family this family, and uh, just the opportunity to serve with you guys. And I love you all. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, y'all. Uh, I'm thankful for the Lord working in my life over the last several years. We've been walking through a kind of rough journey. Um, uh, we, my wife and I just celebrate, celebrated 31 years of marriage. Um, I don't don't get too happy. Uh, up until about five years ago, I was involved in pornography really badly. Uh, but I'm thankful the Lord's worked in my life to help me restore the relationship with my wife and uh, help me to be five years free from that. Amen. Now, now you can cheer. Um, <laughs> um, I'm thankful for the freedom to fail. The Lord gives us grace, and when we fail, He's there with forgiveness and love and mercy. I'm thankful for community. The, uh, there are men in this church who have, uh, in the last couple of years, walked through that journey with me. That means a lot. Um, you're not alone. You can't do this by yourself. The community, your church, and the people that are here love you enough to be honest with you. Do it with them. Thank you. Well, I'm thankful for God for a lot of things. But yesterday, I, um, I completed 73 years. And I'm thankful for, I'm, I'm thankful for um, an amazing family that he's given me. And uh, uh, my daughter asked me, has life, has life uh, turned out to be as, uh, as you thought you would imagine? I can't, there's no words for me to describe it. So I'm thankful for my family. And, uh, but lately I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the awareness, the awareness that God has given me about his presence. I, um, I'm thankful for, it seems like he's given me more wisdom to understand his presence. Uh, I, I feel like I want to be like Peter. Everywhere I walk that, it's not me that's there, but God with me. And uh, so I'm trying to be conscious about when I talk to people, whether it's the Walmart or Wendy's, and sometimes things don't get done right, uh, that I should 
I'm representing Jesus Christ, that when I live there, they should be blessed, not the other way around. So I'm thankful for his wisdom that he's given me that um, everywhere I turn, he's there. And everywhere I go, he's there. So uh, I'm very, like I said, I've been in church all my life. And uh, in the last few years, it's like it, it, it clicked. It's like, oh, really? But anyway, I'm thankful for his uh, awareness and his wisdom and his faithfulness to me. thankful for God's kindness and goodness running after me throughout all these years. Um, I am specifically, I'm thankful for my work environment. I am a, a teacher and my students have been teaching me patience, love and humility. And I say it in a true, meaningful way. And when I see those students, I always say like, be patient, like I'll get to you, be patient. And then Every time I say that word, I feel like God's saying that to me. So he's been using my students this year a lot. Um, and I'm also thankful for my husband, Jake, loving me and tolerating me when I am not lovable and harsh, um, when I am so judgmental. So thank you so much. And um, I am very thankful for the church community I have, especially the worship team. Um, I'm so grateful that I get to worship together with these amazing brothers and sisters, and especially Hunter in um, his leadership, patience, love, and flexibility. Um, and young adults friends, I always ask my lady friends like to pray for me, even if sometimes it seems like petty things, I am just like, please help me, I, I don't know what to do. And Wednesday groups, um, not so young adults, but uh, I always learn from <laughs> I always learn from them. Um, yeah, like all the wisdom and your love um, have been just really filling me. So thank you so much. Hello, um, I'm thankful that um, God keeps pursuing me. Uh, I've also dealt with a lot of anger the last, like, couple years, and so strange because, like, I don't really have the anger now, <laughs> and so I'll just think about, you know, when I used to say almost every day, like, gosh, I'm so angry, like, I'm struggling with this, and I don't know exactly why, and just getting angry over just really small things, and um, almost to the point where I just, like, wanted to be, like, express my anger physically, so I knew it was getting bad but I really think that he it's because of his pursuit and specifically because of worship that um, he's been healing me through that uh, just I feel like reconnecting in a different way understanding that I am broken and um, but he's there and and I can I can rest in him and He's the one that gives me the strength, um, and he is my joy. I'm also thankful for the church family and um, just how kind and generous you all are. And I know I'll come here, you know, Sunday morning, and and I'll have multiple people come up to me and just hug me and ask me how I am. And um, 
yeah, it's very encouraging to me. And, yeah, I, I really like that. And I know usually I kind of race out after church ends, but there's always someone to, you know, wave me down and ask me how I'm doing. And I really do appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, and just for, like Nayang said, just my lady friends and uh, just the young adults group was just amazing. And God is really using them to work on me for sure. So thank you so much. Good morning, church. First of all, I want to thank each and every one of you for being a church of prayer. It has held me up many times over many trials over the years, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for the many volunteers that are in this church and out in our community that volunteer with the Christ Helping Hands Ministry. Um, we have many in here that contribute, donate clothes, hygiene, food, Bibles. Sometimes we get some cash donations, which is a huge blessing. But I really want to thank um, everybody that's new to the ministry that's in here. Uh, Santana, Christian, Lisa, all of them, everyone that's new to the ministry. But I really want to give my gratefulness to those that have stood by from the very beginning about eight years ago and that is john lokowski virgie and michelle they have stood by this ministry from the very beginning and i'm hoping that the new volunteers stick with us that long too thank you so much Um, I left a job uh, of like eight years last year and I know right it was awesome uh, <laughs> and I actually there wasn't like a job lined up for me after that and that was like one of the scariest things for me um, something I've been sharing with some friends and even my husband is that if if a job had lined up for me after that um, right after I quit my job I would have been the same person and I thank God that he didn't give me, bless me with that job that I wanted um, because I was forced to be in my Bible. I was forced to spend time with God. And not forced, but I was like, I really have no excuse anymore to not be in my word. I have no excuse to say I'm busy or anything. I had time. So I thank God that even in that tough time, um, he, I was blessed by his word, by his presence, by spending time with him. So just wanted to share that and encourage you guys. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let me say, just, I don't want to close up what the Holy Spirit's doing, so let me be one or two more people after Jeremy, okay? So if you want to come, unless you really feel like, then you got to come talk to me, okay? But, all right, cool. All right, uh, I just want to be real fast. Um, last week, uh, Miss uh, Debbie stole my thunder a little bit, but again, thank you to the people who have uh, uh, really uh, for the church for being here, and that would be Hunter, 
Red and Jeremy, again, for just sticking with uh, not quitting on God and letting God um, just continually use you so that we can still meet and gather, which is amazing. And then I want to thank the media team. I want to thank each and every one of them. So if we can uh, wait for the applause at the end, that would uh, really be appreciative. So I want to thank, first of all, Ryan for learning to a new um, a new uh, tool to use be used by God, which is sound. I want to thank Mr. Diaz for also doing that. I also want to thank um, uh, Nate for doing screens, uh, which everything that happens in the media, without the media, we wouldn't have anything, and without the sound, we would be muted. So, um, and then uh, thank you for the lights, which I do, but thank, praise the Lord that, uh, I just want to thank all the media team, because we're not doing it for our glory, we do it for the glory of the Lord, so yeah. Anyone else? Just like one more? We good? Okay. All right. Yep. John, come on. All right, John. Uh, my name's John Lokowski. Uh First of all, I'm thankful for my salvation. I was saved uh, roughly 40 years ago. I'm going to be 78 in a couple of days. God's blessed me ever all along the way, from birth till now, but especially since my salvation. As another uh, young lady mentioned, she had the death in the family. I've had two deaths through divorce, but not a physical death, but it's just like a death. But I'm so close and so thankful that I was saved at the time of the separations of the two, that he blessed all of us the whole family, relatives, cousins, new nephews. I'm still close with every single one that was in both marriages. And uh, very thankful for that. Thankful for the wisdom that God has given me as I focus on his word and that uh, continues. I know the truth is in me it, and it leads my life every day. And so I'm just just thankful for new opportunities that come up. I'm excited about it. Just learned this morning about being happy in the sanctuary, always being blessed, being joyful, and uh, I'm just thankful for the the community we have here in this church. And I thank you and praise you, dear God, for that. Hey guys, I want you to notice something common in everything we heard. You could pick everything we're thankful for down to two things. We're thankful to God for the blessings he give, and it's been for people. Always remember that. Nobody's given thanks for, you know, some item they have. Nobody, who, who said, I'm thankful for my smartphone or my car or my media center, anything like that. We're thankful for people. And this Thanksgiving, be sure and share and look for those people that God has given you as blessings. And be thankful with them. We've got some great stuff still. So Hunter's going to take it back over. We've got communion coming up. And so let's let's share together. Hunter, thank you.
check. There it is. Sorry, I turned it off. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the, the patience with the, the feedback, too. I realize I didn't put the mic in a great place because it loops into the stuff you learn that I should have known. But praise God anyway. Um, and thank you for sharing, guys. Um, when, we're, when we're testifying, what we're sharing is the work and the life of God within us. So that when we see each other, we don't, it's not like we downplay each other, but when we see each other and we see goodness and purity and righteousness, we are beholding God in each other. And we must remember that because it helps, it helps keep us focused. That when I receive a blessing from someone, it's not just coming from you. And when you receive a blessing from me, it's not just coming from me. It really is the Lord. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. And I, I neglected to give thanks for my wife. Um, she's, uh, many of you probably don't know her. She's a little more quiet. Um, but she is an amazing woman. And I'm not just saying that because I'm up here. Um, when, when you get to know her, she is uh, one of the most fun people. And I have seen God in my wife. And he has used my wife, uh, man, to keep me going. And, and, I, and I just, I, I, I love you, babe. So anyway, just wanted to give thanks to the Lord for my wife. Because I feel like y'all see me, but man, you really, man, the way my wife loves me so well and supports me is, is, is a gift from the Lord. And uh, so anyway, I want to go to Mark, Mark 14. Mark 14, if you have your Bibles, let's go there. Let's go there. This is the story of, um, we're going to start with the Passover. Jesus is concluding his earthly life and his earthly ministry. It's coming to an end. And they're coming to Jerusalem. And they're celebrating the Jewish holiday of Passover, which was possibly one of the biggest days of the year for Jews. And so in Mark 14, verses 12, we're going to start there. And we're going to read quite a bit here, so stay with me. Are, are, you, are you awake? Are you alert? Okay. This is a special service. It's going to be a little longer. There's no kids or nursery today. So, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to rush, but I'm not going to try to take forever either, okay? On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, get that, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, the, the true Passover lamb is, about, is getting ready to be sacrificed, and it's, it's Jesus. Notice the timing of this. His disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so that you may eat it, Jesus? So he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house. The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening came, he arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining and eating, first bombshell of the night right here, Jesus said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me, just in case they missed it. They began to be distressed and to say to him one by one, surely not I. Surely not I, Lord. I wouldn't betray you. 
He said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread in the bowl with me. That's about four times he's clarified, or three times he's clarified. Yeah, someone in this room right here. For the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. My soul, Jesus. As they were eating, he took bread, blessed, broke it, gave it to them and said, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. (laughs) They all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, which is outside Jerusalem. Jesus said to them, (laughs) second bombshell of the night, all of you will fall away. All of you will fall away because it is written, Jesus proving his point with scripture. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's written in scripture. It's a prophecy about this. Jesus is the shepherd. They're the sheep. He's going to be struck. They're going to scatter. And at, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, if, even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him, today... Today, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he kept insisting, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. Are you hearing this? Are you with me? Then he came to a place named Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. God, our Savior, deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus feels, Jesus felt, Jesus feels still more raw than we do. He feels emotions more rawly, I don't even know if that's a word, than we do. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. To the point of death. My good friends, remain here and stay awake. He doesn't say good friends, but I added that in there. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said this to his Father. Take this cup away from me. Take it away, God. Take this away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came, his good friends, he asked them to stay awake. He came and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, 
Notice who he points out here. Notice who he talks specifically to. Hey, Simon. Simon Peter was his name. Are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping. Because they could not keep their eyes open. And get this, they did not know what to say to him. Feel this. Put yourself there. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. I haven't used points for a while, but I have two points today. And the first one's this. We're going to look at the disaster of the disciples. It's not hard to see, is it? I mean, we just read it. It's pretty clear. This, they are a disaster. I didn't know what other word to use. Devastation, destruction, disaster. Here they are, the juggernauts of the faith. The 12 who lived and walked with Jesus for three years. They've been taught, they've been trained, and now they've come to the test. This is the time for them to stand with Jesus. Here it is. How do they do? Not a C, not a D, an F. Is an F minus a thing? (laughs) Is a G a thing? Luke 22. Luke gives us some details on the beginning of this passage when they're at the table that Mark didn't include. But look, Jesus says, the hand of one who betraying me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So they began to argue among themselves which of them it could be who was going to do it. Is that why Jesus told them he wanted to sit back and have some entertainment? What if Jesus was here today and he said that to us? Now, the percentage that it's you goes down because there's more of us in here. But Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Wouldn't you be very interested to know who it was? So they're arguing. Then a dispute arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. (laughs) Oh my soul. Their response is pitiful. Not let me down, not fail me. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me in here. The horror of that. The heartbreak. How would we respond? How do they respond? They get into an argument over who should be considered the greatest. Now obviously Judas is out. He's done. We know that. They didn't know that. It was not obvious to them. I mean, up to this point, Jesus has told them like three times, hey, I'm going to die. And they don't get it. They're like confused, they're, they're scared, but, but they never, they like don't ask him details because they're afraid of, what does that mean he's going to die? Like when? Okay, we're all going to die, so. Like, I don't know what their thinking is, but Jesus has already told them what's going to happen, and they're clueless. So Jesus tells them one of them, one of them is going to betray him. They don't know who it is. What should have been their response? Now, 
I'm nobody to look and say, well, you guys, they should have done this. They should have responded like this because I'm right there with them. We must realize that today. We are right there with them. But their response probably should have been in the vein of, Master, I'm so sorry. Have mercy on us. Not, surely not I. God, I don't care if it's me. Have mercy on me. Jesus, forgive me. That is a response from the heart that understands the situation. And they have no clue. They have no clue. Jesus isn't telling them this so they can try to figure it out. Why is Jesus telling them this? Why would Jesus say such a thing to them? To show them that they are all capable. To humble them. To help them begin to understand their place in what is about to happen to Jesus. And it's not defending Jesus. It's not standing by Jesus. It's not being the faithful heroes. Jesus is starting to help them understand where they stand in this situation and how this night is going to go. This is not going to be a good night. And Jesus doesn't offer a lot of encouragement. Do you see that? Jesus doesn't really console them a whole lot here. In verse 27, Jesus declares something different. All of you, now this time it's not just one, all of you will abandon me. Again, devastation. Imagine it. Allow yourself to feel it as you consider. What if Jesus said this to you? Yes, you who are trying to love and please him so hard. And Jesus did show me this this year. And you know what my response was? I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, no, Lord. That's not how this thing's going to go. I'm not going to sin against you. I'm not going to be the letdown. Hear the voice of your Savior today. Not just 2,000 years ago. All of you will abandon me. In verse 29 through 31, I'm not going to read it, but Peter pipes in, right? (laughs) And Peter apparently won the argument over who the greatest is in his mind because he's like, hey, even if all these guys, Jesus, not me. Oh, Peter. Good, Peter. And then they all are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. What? Did Jesus say that it was a possibility that this would happen? No, no, you brilliant men. Jesus told you what's going to happen. The Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one who healed all those people, the one who knows what the, the, the Pharisees are thinking, before they even ask a question, he said, he said what's going to happen. And they're like, nope, he's wrong. Straight up. No, nah, that's not going to happen, Jesus. We are with you till the end fools ignorant fools but does Jesus say that to them no no he doesn't 
Let's look at one more disaster. Verse 33 through 42. So he says, okay, guys, you get to Gethsemane, and Jesus is, is really starting to be overcome here. Not in like a sinful way, but just grief. Different, like, I mean, I, I have no idea what's going on in the Son of God right now, but at this moment. And he's, he's like, okay, y'all, y'all just stay here. Peter, James, John, come with me. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm not, like, okay right now. Like, I am so grieved to the point of death. Wait here. Just stay awake. I mean, it's late by this time. It's late. Like, when you realize that Jesus got no sleep, how long it had been since Jesus had slept through this whole thing, and probably them, too. They're probably exhausted. And Jesus goes and falls on his face, I mean, Luke, I think, tells us he's sweating drops of blood. He's in that much agony. And he gives them this, this, this really hard task of, of staying awake. <laughs> How do they do? Again, they fail in their friend's most desperate hour. This is the time. This is the time for the heroes to arise, stand with Jesus. This is the time. And, and they fail. They fail miserably three times. And I think at this point, after everything Jesus has said, I think it, things are starting to sink in. I think they're starting to realize this is going to be a bad night. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going to happen. But Jesus said one of them is going to betray him. We're going to abandon him. We can't even stay awake. And Peter, like, they did not know what to say to him. Have you ever been there? Where you're just like with God, and you're just like, I have no idea what to say to you right now, Lord. I did it again. I have blown it so bad. I mean, it, they're probably starting to sink into to discouragement at this point. I probably would have just gave up. That third time they fall asleep is probably me saying, I'm done. I'm just going to sleep anyway. Can't stay awake. I try. I mean, whatever. Um, do you judge yourselves better than these broken, incompetent men? If you do, you are still at the table arguing who's the greatest. And apparently you've crowned yourself. We're not here to hype ourselves up to be better people. Today we are taking an honest look at who we are apart from God's Spirit. And when we see these disciples, we should see ourselves. We are the ones who have betrayed, who have abandoned the Savior, the worthy one. We are the ones who have denied Him and turned our backs as we choose our sin. Don't run. Don't try to make this look better. Don't try to make yourself feel better. We truly are a disaster. Okay? That's dark. That's dark, all right? But, thank God we are primarily here to look at something else today. We need to see this. We need to see the disaster, okay? But now we're going to look at something else. We're going to look at the determination of Jesus. The determination of Jesus. Verse 28. My soul, I have never understood the riches and the power in this tiny, random verse. Jesus just told them, all of you are going to abandon me. Scripture says it's going to happen, guys. 
They don't even get it. They're, they're, they don't understand. I doubt they understand this verse at the moment. But Jesus says it all the same. Jesus says it all the same. Before he's betrayed, before he's denied, before he's abandoned, he says this. Verse 28. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Again, okay? Awesome. No. I did not real like when I like I, the Lord showed me some awesome stuff in this verse. Do you realize what Jesus is saying here? The disciples are about to face the worst night of their lives even though they don't even understand what Jesus is telling them. If Jesus is actually right about all this stuff, why is Jesus even still here with us right now? I mean, when Peter, James, and John are falling asleep over and over again, they're, 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 it's, they're already gone. Who knows if they remembered this verse? But before any of it happens, we have verse 28, and Jesus, the victim here, the one who's going to be wronged by everyone at the table, everyone at the table, the one who's going to be wronged when he needs them most. His friends are going to fail in the worst way. This is what he says to them. They don't even understand that. They're not even sorry yet. Verse 28, he's saying, we're going to get through this. Do you feel the hope in that? Hey guys, it's going to be a bad night. It's going to be a bad year. It's going to be a bad trial. You're going to really blow it. But we're going to get through this. But we're going to get through this. They don't even know the horror that is about to take place. They don't even realize how badly they're about to blow it. And Jesus already says, I'll see you boys on the other side. I'll be there. I'll be waiting. You're going to find me again. You're going to follow me again. This is not the end. (laughs) That, that is verse 28. And where? And where? The location is important here. Galilee, where it all started. Back home. (sighs) When Peter's cleaning his nets or when he's fishing and, and James and John are with their dad in the boat three years earlier and this guy comes along and says follow me I'll make you fishers of men come find me I'll be back there guys and they totally miss it <laughs> they don't respond rightly to that they're not like, oh, okay, we're going to get through this. They, they, they're, they're clueless. And instead, Peter goes on about his determination not to fail. <laughs> Just doesn't get it. Woo! No, son, daughter, Peter, you don't even understand what's about to happen. I must die for you because you lost a long time ago. You already failed. A long time ago, Peter, I have to die for you. And they just have no concept of that in the moment. I must be forsaken and abandoned by my father so that you never will be. Guys, that's what we're remembering 
today when we take this bread, this cup, Jesus said it. Hey, Peter. Hey, Ed. Hey, Kathy. Take it. This is my body. Take it. This is my blood. The blood of the new covenant that's poured out for many. It's poured out for you. Just take it. You're going to blow me. Take it. You're going to blow me. You're going to blow it. Take it anyway. Take my body. Take my blood. It's yours. And, and I'm not going to go into, into these other verses, but in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus includes the, the line, do this in remembrance of me. And, and Paul repeats that in 1 Corinthians um, 11. And in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, Paul says this, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we're doing. We're remembering and we're holding up the cross when we do this to our own vision and to each other. Jesus died for me. I have hope because he was hopeless in that moment. Hope left him on the cross. He was abandoned by his father so that I never will be. We hold up the cross, guys. That's our hope today. That's it. That's it. Right there. We proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. As we partake in this ordinance today, we are proclaiming the cross. We are pointing ourselves and others to Jesus. This is not for everyone here today. If you have not received the gift of salvation we are celebrating, I would ask that you not partake. But we would love to help you receive the gift if you want. And if the Spirit has made it clear to you even today, and He's calling you to believe in Jesus, you don't need help. Put your faith in Jesus right now and come up here with the rest of us and take some bread and, and, and take some juice and remember with us. And then after the service, talk to us and we'll plan a day for you to get baptized because you're part of the family of God now. There's no complexity about this. But if you're a little foggy, you're like, there's still some questions I have, there's still some things I need answered before I really take that step and give my life to Jesus. There's nothing I'd rather do than have that conversation after the service. Also, what we are doing today is spiritual, meaning it's not about the food and the, the, the grape juice up here. It's simply bread and grape juice. It doesn't become something different as you partake. It is the physical means of demonstrating the spiritual reality that when we trust in Christ, when we receive salvation, we are partaking in the very body and blood of our Savior. His life is in us now. We're, we're ingesting the Spirit of God. It's spiritual. Remember, it's a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality that that's how close Jesus is to us. He doesn't come near. He comes inside. His life is in us. That's the remembrance today. So I'm going to have Red Jeremy. Can you guys come up and get ready to dismiss Rose? They're going to, um, the guys are going to play some music. We'll get the stage lights down. And, and, and I'd love for you guys to just, just come down the ends here when they dismiss your row. Get your elements and then just walk back to your seat through the middle. That way you can kind of keep it organized like that. And let's just spend some time soaking in this. Um, Red, can you grab the mic and, and pray for us, please? Father, we do thank you for the life that you gave on the cross for our sins. God, we thank you for your shed blood. We thank you, God, that you demonstrated that 2,000 years ago. 
that we could have life and have it more abundantly if we live and trust in what you have already done for us. We praise you in Jesus' name.